everybody's here. We got co-host Jeff Lyons, co-host Chip Chantry, super special guest, Josh Matches. Hi, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. The thing about uh, Junk Miles with Chip and Jeff is we try to integrate, integrate six different technologies with every broadcast uh-huh. uh, because there's so much room for error there. So we kind of think it's fun. <laughs> it's exciting. Right, Chip? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. nothing like throwing a monkey wrench into everything else. That It makes it makes life so much easier. Uh, we, Jeff and I don't, we've always talked about this. We don't have enough stressors in our lives. So we like, we try to layer on and make it as difficult as possible. So that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with right now. Well, I'm glad because I was so excited that I almost had a heart attack. Oh no. Oh, oh wow. We do have defibrillators. It it feels like a lot, that would be a lot of stress in your life. Uh, And and Josh, maybe we can help you with that. Maybe we can bring that stress level down. Uh, We could do, we could right now do a 20 minute meditation. Just the three of us to sit here and kind of center ourselves. I honestly think that's what our viewers thought we were doing for the last 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> By the way, Josh, so if you could, and I don't mean to make this any more difficult for you, but uh-huh. if while you're doing this, if you could put this on uh, your Facebook, on Twitter, on Periscope, on MySpace, if you could hook it to your Tinder account, yeah. and then also route it through Instagram Live, if you could do all those things simultaneously, that would make our life so much easier. And then uh-huh. also be in the moment and be present and be charming and funny, if you could log, log it through all of that. So. We'd really appreciate it. I know it's not a lot to ask, but it's just something we, we do requests of, of our guests. I mean, some people might say that I can't be charming or funny uh, when I'm not doing any of those things. So this is- That was actually I- Jeff who said that. And I no, told I- him no. I told him no. And Jeff then said, well, prove me wrong, Chip. Let's bring him on. Let's see if he can be charming <laughs> and funny. And I said, well, okay. Let's, now's his time to shine. You know what, Chip? What I need to give to Josh a proper introduction, not just like, here's Josh. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, hey, Josh, here's this guy. If currently, he's a member of TJ Kong and the Atomic Bomb, maybe one of the best band names going right now. Yes. No yeah. one's going to argue that. Mm-hmm. He's also one of Philadelphia's most in-demand bass players and sousaphonist. That's mm-hmm. fun, sousaphone. Yeah. Could, you, in a, could you nutshell what a sousaphone is? And It's uh, a tuba that goes over your shoulder. Oh my God. Tuba goes on your lap. And then when marching bands were coming into popularity, John Philip Sousa of uh, Stars and Stripes Forever fame uh, wanted tubas to be able to be marched with. So he designed one over your shoulder. And how did you pick that up? I was hired by the Pig Iron Theater Company uh, for a play. Uh, originally just to play bass, but they wanted also a brass band, but couldn't afford both uh, styles of bands. So they asked me and the accordionist and the trumpet player or, and the violinist to learn uh, sousaphone, trombone and trumpet to go along with the professional trumpet player and the professional c- percussionist. So as long as we were able to uh become adequate within six months we would sound like a band and we were able to and i i just liked it and uh, bought my own and kept it going now were you an adult and already a, an accomplished bassist when you made the jump to the sousaphone or not the jump but you started playing the sousaphone or were you yeah. younger i yeah. was a i was probably 27 when i started oh wow okay so you were always a bass player is yeah. that that was your primary instrument and then mm-hmm. later in life a later in life sousaphonist the age-old story. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
right? A lot of people like, you know, I'm, I'm an older gentleman and a lot of middle age, when people go middle age crazy, a lot mm -hmm. of people thinking about a sousaphone. Yeah. Some people thinking about a flugelhorn. Right. Right. Yeah. There are two billion instruments. Can you name that were literally named after like, like a person like that? That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. I think there was um, Stephen Violin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the only one I can think of, really. Uh, my uh, my great, awesome. great, great uncle was Jerry Recorder. Whoa. Uh, he invented the little plastic flute that children play in third grade. That was him. <laughs> on, my mother's, on my mother's side, it was his, her maiden name. Did you have more of an intro? I didn't want to step on Josh's intro. Uh, that was that. I think that's a pretty. Oh, and of course, you were also a quarter finalist in 2017, 2019 Phillies Funniest, sponsored by Helium Comedy Club. So not only is he a musician, and let's say a bass player, he's a sousaphonist and also a very funny comedian in his own right. He's a triple threat. He might be our first triple threat that we've ever had on the podcast, Jeff. By the way, uh, Cassandra D, Phillies Funniest winner, uh, said that Josh is always charming and he's funny sometimes too. So, you know, I like, I, I like her honesty in that. I, I really do enjoy that. She, you know, she does, she's very open and honest about it. She's charming. She's not going to give him a free ride on the funny though, which I think that's a, uh, I, th I think that's very noble of her in, now, these, in now, these times. A lot of comedians will play guitar on stage. Correct. Like they'll do that. You know, um, would you ever consider like part of your comedy act, like just bringing the sousaphone up there and. Well, I have done this bit in the past. I don't do it often because the setup is a nightmare, but I'll bring all my instruments with me on stage and I'll set them up and it takes half the set. And then I'll just tell a bunch of jokes and then I'll say, that's my time. <laughs> I think it's great. That's the way to do it. Yep. Now, oh, now it, on people's faces when they see all the instruments, like, how is he going to go from that one to that one? I'm really excited for this to happen. And then you just crush their, their dreams. Mm -hmm. That's the way, that's the way to do it. Now it, is the being a, being a musician, was it a hard jump to pick up the sousaphone from the bass? I mean, I'm assuming you're both playing on the bass clef, if I can get pretty, uh, pretty musical with you. Was it a, was it a big jump or, or did you find it, pretty easy yeah, rather than going, you know, from the, let's say to a saxophone, I would assume the sousaphone would be similar to the bass. Yeah. So fortunately it is the same role in the band as a sousaphone player, you're playing the bass part. So uh, in that sense, I didn't have to learn a new style of playing, uh, but it was just a matter of learning the technique of playing a brass instrument uh, which fortunately we had about six months and um, the way Pig Iron develops their shows, they pretty much have you come in five days a week. I think it was for about six months. Uh, if I recall. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, you know, even if we weren't needed in a scene, um, we could be in the other room working on music, you know, just kind of learning our new instruments or learning the, the other music for the, for the scenes. So yeah, that, it, it kind of made it easy that I was paid to learn to do it. Uh, it's nice to be paid to learn a useful skill. Jeff, what would you like to be paid to learn to do? Like if, if somebody gave you like, all right, five days a week, nine to five, but you have to learn this skill, what would it be? Would it be the sousaphone? Would it be something else? Well, it's forbidden, but I'd love to learn the uh, Lombada. Okay. The dance. Okay, yeah. Again, forbidden, but that's all right. You know, I, I, we, can, we can live to dream. What about you, Chip? What would you like to learn? Someone I'd learn how, I'd learn how to, 
I'd, li- I'd like to learn podcasting skills, I think. <laughs> I'd learn how to be a good podcast host, something I still haven't really mastered. So I would love for somebody to pay me to to do that. Maybe you can pro- maybe you can donate to our Patreon that Jeff and I have not set up because we're not good podcasters. Right. So we, that would set an expectation that we do something even like semi-professional that yeah. we would feel kind of like, wow, the Josh, people are giving next, us money. Next question for Josh. Josh, would yeah. you pay either Jeff or I to learn a skill? Would you put us on a, would you bankroll either of us for let's say six months, five days a week for us to learn a certain skill? Um, I, I would pay for the Lombada. I'd like to see that. Uh, and, um, maybe the danger of doing a forbidden thing, maybe I can make it worth your while, you know? Yeah. A little hazard pay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd wear a hazmat suit. Don't get me wrong. I realize the danger that's inherent Mm -hmm. in doing the dance. Do I have to pay for that as well? No, you know what? I'll, I'll throw in some money for a hazmat suit. Joshua, I got to ask you a question. How would you describe TJ Kong and the atomic bomb. You guys are almost like, I, I don't even know. And it's probably a good thing. Like I couldn't put your sound in any bucket. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of uh, different influences there. Um, the short answer I usually give people is psychedelic blues rock. Uh, kind of like a, um, early captain Beefheart meets Bob Dylan kind of vibe uh, meets Tom Waits. Yeah. Um, I think the closest I got to like something like, you know, murder by death. I don't know them. Okay. That, that was a similar vibe to like when I first heard you guys and I really liked them. And I was like, Oh, okay. This could be the same genre, but again, uh, really jo- no, no genre, which I think a lot of bands love that. Right. When you go out and people try to be like, like what other bands, like when you guys go out like a support band or you're supporting another band, do they put you with like, different styles of music or yeah we've kind of shared bills with um with all sorts of people like low cut connie um uh the uh, twin peaks uh we opened for them jay roddy walston oh right right uh we opened for the record company at the tla this new year's eve this past new year's eve nice uh which it's looking like that will be the best gig i'll ever play because uh (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever do another live gig again, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we get, we, it's, it's usually rock bands uh, that we get paired with, but yeah, we've done some collaborations with uh, like a bunch of people from the West Philly orchestra. So we've gotten into the world music vibe a little bit and yeah. Uh, Speaking of collaborations, uh, you were involved in a collaboration where I think you were actually sort of blindsided by a collaboration this weekend that you probably didn't sign off on and you were just thrown into our, our good friend, good friend of the show, Johnny Goodtimes, decided to make a music video out of Ancient Road Blues, which I love, love that song, uh, which you, you guys already had a great video floating around for that, which is some footage of, I guess, of you guys and, you know, of a couple other, some sort of a found footage vibe to it, which is great. But then Johnny just recently he posted on his uh, Facebook and Twitter, you should check it out. I also posted it too, of he took one of my favorite tj kong songs the ancient road blues and fa- he found somebody had just released some circus footage of from the 19 late 60s or early 70s from philadelphia that's just just a random person had a little camera and they took all this video of all this behind the scenes and, and circus footage and he put it that song i thought it was great oh and i think jeff lyons is sharing it right now there it is jeff lyons I mean, just look at that. I mean, that's from, I think, 1968 or 1970. 
pockets with all you can see. That's my favorite guy right there with the top hat. Gotta be the ringleader. <laughs> it's cool that it's in color, too. I know, right? This is hitting me right here. Can I change my answer to, uh, I would like to learn how to be an aerialist? <laughs> I think it's too late to change answers. We already locked them in, Jeff. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty awesome video, and the, it's very uh, very beautiful song. Now, would you, Josh, would you consider yourself, is, is do you have a, because you're involved in so many different projects, is TJ Kong sort of your main project? Do you have a main project, or you're sort of a, a bassist for hire, a lone gunman? I, yeah, I don't know that I really have a main, what most people would traditionally call a main project. I like to think of them all as uh, my main projects, ones that I play with regularly, because if I'm on all the albums and, you know, help with the arranging of the albums and whatnot, um, you know, I put my heart and soul in it, uh, then I try to give all of those projects kind of first first dibs on my schedule um, and, you know, hope to God that nothing, none of them interfere with one another, but um, right. yeah, there's a lot of projects that like I would uh, play just a cool show, even if it, if it doesn't pay that much uh, rather than doing a freelance gig for a lot of money. Um, so there, there's a number of those projects that, that, uh, that I'll just say yes to no matter what. Uh, and, and speaking of projects, so you made the leap. So, you, so you're a, a a bassist, and then the sousaphonist. That I mean, and then you're just like, hey, I'm going to be a comedian as well. Yeah. Uh, what What was the What was the process there? Were you just just a fan? Did you Was there a There was there a moment on stage or a moment where you're just like, this is what I need to do? Well, weirdly, uh, the first time I ever tried it, I was 12 years old. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you were completely filthy, filthy comic. So I, I actually had a, a concept, it was kind of performance art, where I would tell really bad jokes. And then I would repeat the punchline three times as though the reason nobody was laughing was that they didn't understand the joke. That is pretty, pretty good highly for conceptual for a 12 year old, yeah. yeah. Totally Chip, you're, <laughs> Chip, you're currently managing a nine year old comedian, correct? You might- I actually, I actually am, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm working with a nine year old comic to, well, you know, nine-year-old kid who wants to be a comic and I've been helping him just to see if he can, uh, you know, see if maybe I'll, maybe I'll give him that idea. Maybe I might steal that from Josh and tell him to just tell really bad jokes and repeat the punchline three times. I think that's, <laughs> it's, it's like comedy calisthenics. Uh, from, from what I learned from that performance is it's not going to help him. Okay. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. I'll, I'll mark that down. I think that's good. So, but yeah, are, do you have a, I mean, I guess, I guess they are different as, as similar as they are. Did you take a lot from your performing musically to the comedy stage or do you think it, it was, it's a, is it a completely different ball game? Um, I, I weirdly, a lot of people do uh, sometimes not even um, knowing that I'm a musician will say, uh, will compare it to, to jazz or something. My, my act. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't really know where they get that. Uh, well, and but, you've sort of done a little bit in between too. When we did the storytelling shows, you would yeah. play behind there. T tell the listeners about that a little bit, and or the viewers, because some people are watching too. 
Uh, you're yeah. being watched right now, Josh. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was one of my uh, one of my all time favorite projects. I remember because so we were I was playing with one of my groups, Murmuration, uh, first person arts, um, hired us to uh, underscore some uh, storytellers, and Chip was one of them. Uh, I think that was maybe the first time we spent a lot of time together. Yeah, uh, and, in that uh, little that cramped little office on Gerard. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Chip's story was about um, getting his hair cut. Uh, and a murder, if I recall. Yes. It was a murder at, at, a, at a barber shop. Uh, and um, a good portion of the score, although we were kind of like um, a free improv uh, group uh, rooted in the like uh, 20th century classical kind of vibe, uh, we decided it would be fun to make a bunch of rhythmic uh, underscoring with scissors. So we all had scissors uh, and There's were- it was, it was, it was great. It was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And that was great. So, I mean, just imagine like me telling that story and it, you know, there's, there's highs and lows, crescendos, day crescendos. And then the band is playing behind me, just like pulsating behind me as it gets more intense. Uh, it, that was so much fun. I, I mean, it, it's obviously a, hard to pull off and to, to, to put it together, but I mean, I, and I wish more people were there for the actual gig. Cause we remember we actually ended up doing it outdoors at city hall. Yeah. Yeah. Just, right. We were just sort of out in the middle there at lunch, but that could be that could be a lot of fun just to to bring those two things, to have that bedding music uh, to go along with the stories. Uh, Chip, your great. buddy Todd Glass has a similar thing, right? With his band when he's playing, he gets he some like, nice bed music. Yeah, where they and they have the crescendos, and his is a lot very like loungy, like a yeah. Don Rickles. And he like yells that. at his band. He yells for rim shots. He yells he for some piano. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um. Guys, I don't know if you, I think most of you heard if you were online today. Sadly, we had a passing of a comedy great comedy giant. Chip, I believe you said if this guy's in the room, he's the funniest guy in the room, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Fred Willard, Frederick Charles Willard, born September 18th, 1933, Shaker Heights, Ohio, actor, comedian, writer. Best known for his uh, Rob Reiner, uh, this is Spinal Tap performance, kind of got him going. He was in other stuff before that, like Fernwood Tonight and uh, shows in like the late 70s, 80s. But I think he really took off when he hooked up with Christopher Guest, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Win for Your Consideration. And then people, he was very beloved, and then they put him in Anchorman and a bunch of other things. But um, you want to be sad, but you want to be like, this dude lived an amazing life. He lived to a ripe old age, right? Yeah, 86. 86 and probably went out on his own terms and um yeah can i play you a little clip of one of the funniest things ever would you guys go, like to hear that go ahead yeah yeah let's let's just do it let's let's make it happen don't even we, ask permission just, our technology just there's no way our technology would not work right oh of course not yeah the way this we is not have things collapse. going Again. this might be my favorite uh, performances of his in particular good way to judge a woman have her run away from me and then run back you know those birds on Connaby Street yes. I'm used to seeing them run away from me more often than <laughs> run towards me yeah. uh, now what is that is that that's a uh, a bloodhound isn't it I think this is a tremendous dog and I would say maybe in two to three years this could be a champion dog but I just think it may be a tad immature for this year just trying to get a little playing time in Take your dog down and back for me, please. Uh, you know what would be funny? I don't know if they can do this. Uh, uh, just an idea off the top of my head. 
Why didn't he put the blood on, put on one of those Sherlock Holmes hats and put a little pipe in his mouth? Are they ever allowed to do anything like that, dress up a dog in a funny way? No, that's, uh, that's not quite what the uh, purpose of these shows is. But it would, I think it would really get the crowd going. You know, you know what I mean? The Sherlock Absolutely, Holmes hat yes. with the pipe. I don't know if you could make it look like smoke's coming out of the pipe. I think that would be a little dangerous. <laughs> I'd get a kick out of it. Now that looks like a fast dog. Is that faster than a greyhound? Well, if you put him in a race, who would come in first? If you had a little jockey on him going. Uh, let me ask you this. If you're going to put him on a football team, which would be your wide receiver, which would be your tight end? Who can go the farthest, the fastest? Well, I, I don't know any dogs that play football. Ah, <laughs> I'm having some fun with you here. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. And that's what he's like, just the all-time best at. Just, yeah. Right? Oh, my God. Um, bring, bring your your volume down just a little bit. That sorry, it was the. Uh, Look at that! I'm back to normal volume. Back That's to normal. amazing. Yeah. Who else? Like who else? Do you guys? You're both comedians. Um, whether stand up comedic com, comedic actors, who do you hold up there? Like who are your guys still alive that you would be honestly like really sad when you lose them today? I mean, everybody says Martin Short is the funniest person in Hollywood, I think, and just like seems like the nicest guy. Uh, I mean, just him. He, I forget that he is Jiminy Glick. When I see Jiminy Glick, it just becomes a different person. And that might be one of my favorite things of all time, And besides all of his other work. But for me, I think it would be Martin Short. Joshua. Yeah, I, I would second uh, Martin Short and real and all, all of those Christopher Guest uh, crew folks, really. That was, you know... Um, I think Best in Show and A Mighty Wind both came out when I was in high school. So really during, you know, helped helped me in my formative years, you know, find my own uh, personal sense of humor. I think those those movies, uh, I, I, I recall one of the most confusing moments of my life. Uh, I believe we skipped school to go see A Mighty Wind in the theater and got extremely high. And then as soon as they started the movie, the film was on upside down and backwards. And we didn't oh my God. know if we had all lost our minds or if uh, a projectionist, <laughs> projectionist made a mistake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's, that sounds amazing. Uh, Jeff, who's uh, who's your guy? Yeah. I would say Jiminy Glick. Oh my God. No one has done dismissive comedy better than Jiminy Glick. Like that's my yeah. favorite part. You know, I, I'm still uh, the first comedy album I ever bought was Steve Martin, um, and he I did just Thriller. Remember, was that was Thriller his album? Thriller. Yeah, was yes. that his album? Yeah, yeah Thriller. Okay. Yeah, he moonwalked. He was so fun. He did so yeah. many great things. He laid there um, with that that tiger. Yes. <laughs> Wild and crazy guy, I believe. I remember my dad walked in, and my brother and I were listening to a track, and as he walked in the room, the the line, Grandma bought a rubber and he sang it in this beautiful voice grandma bought a rubber my dad's like what are you guys listening to <laughs> and then he just sat down with us and it was one of my happiest memories as a kid and he listened to the rest of the album with us and he was dying laughing he's like don't tell ma this is a little risque but this is good this is good this is good that's incredible yeah so oh, i would nice. say you know he's gotten a little highfalutin for my tastes um art collector writer um banjo and banjoist yeah he's a pretty good Josh, banjo are you a banjo player. guy at all do you play the banjo i actually own a banjo it is uh such a difficult instrument as someone who uh grew up playing string instruments 
and the highest string being the one closest to my face. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Drone string uh, being closest to my face. I have to turn my ears off to practice it. Uh, yeah, that's got to be tough. Do you got to yeah. wear like little metal fingers? Like, don't, don't some like Earl Scruggs and all the have like, what are they called? The um, finger picks. Finger picks. Yep. I, I never got used to that. Like, you know, I started playing uh, when I first got my banjo and I was living with a really good banjo player at the time. And I was like really excited. I was working on the Earl Scruggs method book and I showed him what I was doing. He's like, that's really good. You got to try the finger picks though. Otherwise it's not bluegrass. And I put it on and it was like, I had never touched a string <laughs> instrument in my life. Oh my God. It was awesome. Oh, that's great. And so then is I that like, for someone new, like a multi-instrumentalist, do you consider it a challenge to just pick up a new instrument? Like, are you always, like if you go to a friend's house and they have an instrument you haven't played, are you like, oh, let me see this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, especially string instruments, um, I'll usually try it and be able to fake it pretty well just because um, the concept is always the same on a string instrument. So I can fake most string instruments. Like I've I've messed around with a sitar and you know, maybe a layman uh, would be like, oh, it sounds like he, he put a little time into that sitar because it's really just moving your finger up and down while you use a plectrum to, to hit the string. So, um, uh, and then, uh, you know, keyboard instruments, I can, I can mess around with most keyboard instruments and percussion instruments and stuff uh, as well. So um, the only thing I, tr I haven't really messed around with too much, even though I do play the sousaphone, is higher brass instruments, because every time I do, uh, it sounds like I'm playing a toy. It sounds terrible because the tuba has the lowest embouchure. And then when I go back to the tuba, it totally messed up my embouchure, and I sound terrible on that as well. So I, I've uh, avoided those. Well, Chip, I have to say that, that I... Chip, wasn't that your fifth comedy album, Messed Up My Embouchure? Chip I did, yeah. That, yeah, that was my, my Live in Detroit album. That was uh, right. back right. in back in 84. That was a lot of fun. And the album cover is just so fun. Yeah. It really, really is. It's it's a little, again, a little risque, but it was it was a lot of fun. But uh, also, um, I have to tell you, Josh, from fifth, fifth grade until ninth grade, I played the trumpet. And let me tell you, I was not very good. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that's probably one of the hardest instruments to start on. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. I, I had some fun with it. Played in the jazz band for a little bit. I made the jazz band in seventh and eighth grade. That's all I got to say. That's uh. Did they put you way in the back though, Chip? Like kind of. It wasn't one of the better jazz, <laughs> jazz trumpeters. I will say that much. Yeah. Do you do you still use that as a credit? Uh, eight, seventh and eighth grade jazz band. Absolutely, we played Watermelon Man. We played uh, Welcome to the Warp Zone. Yeah, we played Taking Care of Business by BTO. Wow. Yeah, the, the classic jazz song, Taking Care of Business. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely use that as I, I get introed on stage a lot. Hey, he played in his eighth grade jazz band. Please, let's give it up for the comedy stylings, Chip Chantry. I, and I say comedy stylings. Yeah. Josh, really have, you, have you marched in like a band playing like a sousaphone? Like that's what it was made for. But have you guys done like, like, you know, the uh, in Philly, the Dirty Elmo and his band? that go throughout Philly and play music? I don't Are know. You guys from Elmo, the, the marching band? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. The, the guy who dresses in a full Elmo suit. And, and then, then he has a marching band behind get... him, drums. And... It's oh. great. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, you know, you might want to join in. They could use a sousaphone. Yeah, they could. But yeah. uh, by the way, Jeff, I don't know if this is true or not, and I hate to be play Mr. Technical because I know nothing about technology. You might want to break. I don't, I don't know if you are looking at anything that 
gauges your sound, but maybe bring your sound up just a little bit. Like you were very high after the whole music thing. And then I think it came down and then I thought you were low again, but you know, I don't How know. I know. Is this good? I like that. I like that a lot. I All like right. that a lot. Nice. Uh, J- J- Jillian Markowitz, by the way, just said, uh, Philly's funniest winner, eighth grade band member. And I think <laughs> she's obviously seen my tattoos, obviously. So, um, oh, by the way, one last thing about Fred Willard too, I have to say, I, I loved him in, in so many things. All of the Christopher Guest stuff, the Spinal Tap. Um, he was even great in, he played the, the, the one grandfather on Modern Family. He Just a recurring role every, you know, every once in a while he'd be on. He was amazing in that. Uh, maybe it's the last thing I think I saw him in was one of my favorite shows, the Tim Robinson Netflix series, I Think You Should Leave, which is one of the funniest right. things out there. There is one sketch that Tim Robinson isn't even in. It's just it's just Fred Willard playing a big old old tiny organ at a funeral of all things. And it by far it's my favorite sketch in the in the entire series of hilarious sketches. I'm hoping for a new season of that show. I have no idea if it'll happen, but that would be very nice. I, I've heard it is. I, I would I would love for that to happen. Now, um, by the way, uh, speaking of of music, I think Jeff, you had some confessions to make. I know you were yeah. really upset earlier this week. You called me. You're like, I need to get something off my chest. I don't feel right about this. I don't know if we should tell Josh about it or keep him in the dark. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this should be public, but I'm feeling really bad about something that I did or something that I feel, right. I guess I should say. Uh, would right. you would you like to bring it up right now in front of Josh or? Sure, let me, let me give you a little background. Pet Sounds, the 11th studio album by the American rock band, The Beach Boys, was released on this day oh. in 1966. Uh, it was heralded as probably the second best rock album next to Sgt. Pepper's by many people. Um, even, be- even better, looking back, even better than Steve Martin's Thriller by the yes. way. Yeah. And I have to admit, I think it's just okay. Huh. Just okay. That sounds I, just okay. I, I Josh, what are your thoughts? Let me just tell you, three bangers, three complete bangers. We have Wouldn't It Be Nice, Sloop John B, God Only Knows, and then a bunch of snoozers. Well, so I think um, upon listening to Sergeant Pepper, I think that would have been Brian Wilson's assessment of Pet Sounds as well, because when he heard that, he decided uh, that he would never write anything that good and uh, quit music for like 40 years after <laughs> hearing Sgt. Pepper. So I think your, your assessment is similar to uh, Brian Wilson's. Well, the, the funny thing is, and you know, there's so much back and forth with those two albums, Brian Wilson said when he heard Rubber Soul, the album before Sgt. Pepper, it blew his mind. And he said, that's it for, you know, I want to write an album that good. So then he writes Pet Sounds, you know, does the whole orchestration. Um, They released that. And then Beatles producer George Martin said, well, without Pet Sounds, Sgt. Pepper never would have happened. Pepper was an attempt to equal Pet Sounds. Mm -hmm. Crazy, right? I'm a huge Sgt. Pepper fan. I think it's a great, fun album. Um, and I, I mean, I like the Beach Boys, but I think my, part of my problem is I never separate that album, Pet Sounds, from their just kind of goofy bunch of guys in matching striped shirts who never actually surfed and wrote some of just the corniest, goofiest music. Like, I can't separate that. I, I enjoy Pet Sounds, but I feel like a fraud when people are like, oh, Pet Sounds. I'm like, oh, yeah. But Josh, it's kind of you- a similar trajectory to the Beatles, though, right? Yeah. 
we started off as like a kind of totally goofy teen heartthrob kind of act um you know as good as the songs were those early Beatles songs and then turned into something else so uh, that's kind of how this podcast started Jeff yeah. and I were just sort of some teen heartthrobs that wanted to do make a podcast do a little radio show and then we've really evolved into what what you're seeing today yeah yeah that's what I've always said Jeff, uh, by the way because Cassandra, Cassandra D uh f- funny comedian Cassandra D has said that she she likes the Beach Boys more than the Beatles and she asked please for us not to say anything she asked oh, us okay. to keep that a secret but she likes the Beach Boys. Uh, I, I have to say this. I grew up on the Beach Boys. So it was it was a religion in my house. My parents, we were forced you, to listen to it. You introduced your dad to Mike Love, right? I did. To, yeah, Mike Love and Bruce Johnson. We were, that was a big, uh, they, so I, so I was brought up on the Beach Boys. Loved the, my favorite song from when I, probably when I was two, before I could even talk, I guess, one or two years ago, was I Get Around, Beach Boys, I Get Around. Love that song. Grew up on the, loved the Beach Boys. My 10th birthday present was tickets to see the Beach Boys live at the Valley Forge Music Fair with Stamos on drums, Kokomo <laughs> era. And I, what I did, uh, I, so I, so I love, I love the Beach Boys, but I never really got into Pet Sounds though. It was always the early stuff. It was always the pop, the hits that everybody knows, Endless Summer, that, you know, all the hits. And then later on, I got into Pet Sounds and I do love it, but Sergeant Pepper, for example, Sergeant Pepper is a lot more accessible. It's a lot more, these are straightforward songs. They're fun. They're poppy where it's a lot more complex. I will say, I think my favorite song besides God only knows, God only knows maybe the greatest song ever written, but what I, what I love about pet sounds that I discovered later in life too, was the actual song pet sounds that I want everybody to go back to just find the song pet sounds on the pet sounds album. It's this, instrumental kind of orchestral jazz number i it, play, it played at my wedding during the during the reception it's one of my it's one of my favorite songs and it's such a great jazz song that you never know is the beach boys oh but then so yeah so anyway so i i used to open for bob saget bob introduced me to the beach boys or he's friends with them we played the borgata a couple of years ago the night before we played the borgata uh the beach boys played the borgata and Bob hooked us up with backstage tickets. So I got to introduce my parents to the Beach Boys or the remaining Beach Boys who are still touring. No. Besides Brian Wilson. Brian, unfortunately, was not there. But it was Stamos. <laughs> Stamos was not, unfortunately, there. Stamos was not there. Uh, it was Imagine Mike Love. It would be Bruce so Johnston. great if you're like, Dad, I got a surprise for you. Here's a Beach Boy. And like John Stamos walks in. Your dad's like, who the fuck's this? <laughs> yes. Oh, and Carol Fritz said uh, that she saw him at the band. I, you know what, Carol? I saw that. Was that about 10 years ago? Uh, I, he did uh, Pet Sounds with a full symphony orchestra at the, at the man. And that was one of my favorite shows. All right, maybe, you're, maybe I need to go back and listen to Pet Sounds for the- But I'm, I'm, I'm also not, I'm not saying you're wrong because I think it's a, it's a difficult album. It's not a very accessible album. And it is brilliant, but it's, it's not pop music necessarily, to, you know, as we think of it. It's not three Josh- pop songs. Joshua, give me an album from that era, let's say mid to late 60s, that you consider like one of your touchstone albums. If at all, if that is not your era that you consider a touchstone album, you're younger, is it like there's something equivalent to that? Uh, Well, so I don't know if if this is the touchstone album, but I will say, so after Sgt. Pepper came out, Brian Wilson had already been working on the follow-up, which was Smile. 
and Sergeant Pepper drove him insane and then he delayed the release for like decades and decades uh put it in the vault and people th- there were rumors that he had destroyed the album and stuff um but i i love that album uh personally it's weird it's even weirder than pet pet sounds so if you don't like pet sounds because it's a little too weird then uh you might really hate this one <laughs> but there's I a couple of, there are hate- a couple of great tracks on it though yeah, yeah. Didn't Brian like Wilson, didn't he have like a little sandbox that his piano was in in his house? Like one of his, you know, many peculiar things about him. I, I think he filled his whole living room with sand and yeah. uh, wore a fireman's hat for the entire recording of it. Dennis Leary also wears a fireman's hat and dresses up as Dennis Leary actually thinks he's a fireman. Well, no, Jeff, no, he doesn't think he's a fireman. He's he's an actor. He's a stand-up comedian, but he's an actor. He acts in a show about firemen where he plays a fireman. Oh. Yeah, so that's not, he doesn't think that he's a fireman. He's paid, He's a paid actor to, mm-hmm. to, to play the role of a I'm fireman. I'm pretty sure he got so method that he thinks he's a fireman. He might be, maybe that's how good Dennis Leary is. Maybe maybe that's right. that's how good that is. Um, but I, by the way, I think some of my favorite, there, there are a couple of great tracks on Smile though. There's uh, the one about the vegetables, the vegetable song and I think Wonderful is a song, which is just, it is, I'm going to say, Jeff, it is wonderful. I'll check it out. It is Did you guys like the movie? The movie with like Paul Dano playing Brian Wilson. It came out. I thought it was fun. Movie. I thought it was, it I, was thought, I liked it. Yeah. Right. I actually yeah. didn't see it. You should. It shows Brian Wilson more as like a, you know, obviously a sympathetic character who was kind of taken advantage of by either his friend manager at the time, whoever it was kind of. Well, there was Dr. Landy too, which was his yeah, uh, psych- psychologist, psychiatrist who had him on a whole battery of drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Now the thing about oh, this. Oh, album- by the way, Carol, Carol Fritz just said that the man music, it was about 20 years ago. She saw it. I saw it about 10 or 15 years ago. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a great, my favorite thing about the man music center, the, the time that I saw Brian Wilson play with the full symphony orchestra, he comes out and first of all, he started, he played the first few lines from, the Bare Naked Lady song, Brian Wilson, which mm. was just a, hey, I'm gonna do this, I'll, I'll, I'll own it. And then he's playing, he's doing, doing, the, uh, doing the whole thing, the whole album with, uh, you know, with, the, with the full symphony orchestra. He does God Only Knows, and he's sitting there at his little keyboard, and he's, his, his profile is to the audience, and full symphony orchestra plays God Only Knows. Grown men just by the hundreds are in tears. It's the great, one of the most beautiful songs of, in recorded history and uh just everybody's brought to tears almost finishes god only knows and just turns and looks at the audience and just goes isn't that a pretty song <laughs> as if it was like he just whipped something up like isn't that a pretty song it's like yeah brian it's a pretty song we're we're all in agreement we all yes it's a pretty song we tens can- of thousands of people have been married to it it's a pretty yes. song he's like isn't that a pretty song yeah, just he just did he have did a little extra banter? validation like i did he have good stage banter i i can't imagine uh le- let's just say uh there's a chance that i was watching a movie of him and it was upside down and backwards let's just say that it, he was a little off center off frame he's he's getting up there in age i don't think yeah. he's quite there uh all, all there together musical genius just like oh, yeah. he he'd be somebody who i i wouldn't I wouldn't be able to handle meeting. Like I wouldn't, I would just fall apart. I've met a lot of, I've met, I've been lucky enough to meet some big, you know, big celebrities. And I've, I usually keep my cool and I would not be able to do that around Brian Wilson. Joshua, who would you, 
you seem like a pretty cool cat, but who would you lose your lose your ass if you met? Like, who would you be almost music wise? Well, so I I, I typically don't uh, like to meet um, celebrities unless I'm introduced. Yeah. Uh, so, but when I, when I get introduced, I usually feel okay about it. Uh, I don't know if I, yeah, lose my shit. I'd probably lose my shit if I met Donald Trump. You uh, trip and not in the best way, probably, right? Well, probably not. In <laughs> uh, um, the other I think, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good guy trying his best. And I think we can all agree on that. No matter <laughs> what our, what our politics are, he's just a good, good fella. He's doing a good job. And, you know, he's, he's fun, right? Best. He's fun. He's fun. He's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see what you're saying. You're a big fan, Josh. We'll put that on the the banner about, for when we release the website. Big Donald Trump fan, Josh matches. You know, talks about pet sounds. Here, here's a, here's an opposite. Um, on Twitter two days ago, there's a very popular topic. What is your most mundane celebrity encounter? And I love this because it's the complete opposite of people bragging, right? Like, oh my God, I met so and so, and she told me I was great, and just to throw one out there, my most mundane, I held the door open for comedian John Stewart at a New Jersey Turnpike rest stop. And he said, thanks, man. Wow. That is pretty Good. mundane. That is pretty mundane. That is can you can either of you top the, the mundacity of that encounter? I held, I held the door once at a movie theater for Nancy Kerrigan. I don't I don't even think she did say thank you, but I don't See, that's what that's what a lot of people will say. John Stewart is a better human being than Nancy Kerrigan. Like if you type in John Stewart, the thing that usually comes up is is a better human being than Nancy Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. I could picture her just expecting you to hold the door. Yeah. Right. Chip, what about you? Any any completely mundane celebs? I I'm trying to think. Oh, you know, I did see, you know, obviously I know. I've met a lot of comedians, big time comedians. I've been lucky that I, I met uh, Mark Marin, I guess last year down in Raleigh. I, I was work, I was headlining the upstairs, a little tiny room in Raleigh. And he was in the big room, of course. And Mary Rudzinski, our good friend, friend of the show, Mary Rudzinski was opening for him. And so I, I got to meet him. But b- before that, he was at Helium a number of years ago. It was just as WTF was becoming big. And I was standing in the little lounge downstairs outside the showroom after the show. And there was a bunch of people, comedians, fans hanging out. And he just walked out the door of the showroom to go to leave. And I'm standing at the bar and he looks across and he he just kind of looks out over the crowd. And I guess I was the only one who was looking in his direction. And he just looked at me and he just kind of gave me one of these, you know, these guy things where he just goes, like that, like it's just like, like I ha- not really a smile, but a half smile, like just acknowledging my presence. He just goes, like pleasant enough. And, but he just did that and then just turned and walked away. And I, that was my favorite. If I had never met him, oh, you know, I do have to say, one time I met G Love of G Love and Special Sauce in a fitness center at an Adams Mark Hotel in Buffalo, New York. He was on the elliptical and I was on the treadmill and he was just next to me running and uh, after we got off i said hi i talked to him for a little bit and then we went about our days nice i love it i yeah. love yeah if you guys if you think of any more mundane encounters throw them out there i think that'd be great i just wanted to get back we're gonna have another little segment coming up um oh, but, by the way uh, it's, uh, jillian just asked josh 
would you like to be paid to learn how to figure skate? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, will you also pay for the full body uh, <laughs> protective gear? Because uh, that sounds so dangerous to me. It does. It really does. Oh, by the way, um, Carol Fritz, uh, she said she, she had tweeted uh, with this topic and she said she saw Sean Connery on the street in Manhattan without his toupee. Oh my goodness. Was he still hot? I would imagine still pretty hot. I would assume he's, he's probably pretty hot. He's still with us, right, Sean Connery? As of this podcast, let's not let's not dig too deep, though. I don't think I could take another another loss tonight. I couldn't take that hit. No, not at all. Well, a big part of this show, and I think that people enjoy, Joshua, that we have um, Chip has many CDs. I have many CDs. You have many CDs and DVDs. I'm gonna, we're going to switch it up here that you guys can either choose CD or a DVD. I think a DVD might be fun. Okay. Joshua, if you have anything handy, you could just stick your claws in and pop up, and then we can judge you. Are you yeah. insinuating that, that Josh has claws? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Musicians are weird people. I don't okay. know. I mean, I haven't shown my, he my has you, you won't know until I uh, show you. Really, I really don't. He His might just have, maybe he has like finger picks. Mm -hmm. from the banjo but, just sort of edward Sinzer handing or just adamantium claws mm -hmm. right. I, that's a great word yeah it is um cool so well i did uh bring a random stack because i'm not in my room because my uh wi-fi is real bad in my room but i bought a brought a random stack of my dvds into this room so all I'll right let's pick one let's do it at random he's doing the no look i like it Ooh. Ooh. stone is that a is that a VHS? No, it's DVD. It's DVD. Okay, it looked mm -hmm. like a it looked like one of those old clamshell uh, big VHS ones. I, I recently did a uh, scavenger hunt run by John Deary, and one of the uh, things I was supposed to find was a VHS, and I had just thrown out like the day before all of my remaining VHSs. Uh, uh, that's rough. But I haven't had a VHS player in. 20 years i don't know yeah yeah so sword and stone i'm guessing is that a excalibur type uh treatment uh how do you mean it looks like is that based on the 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 old english um legend excalibur where someone pulls a sword from the stone and gets not many people are able to pull that sword from a stone right yeah yeah, this is the the classic Disney, which I believe came out in the 50s, 60s. Um, one of my favorites. Um, I, I went through a big phase of um, taking acid and watching Disney movies late at night. Uh, As a child? Yeah, 12-year-old. Yeah, you get done your 12-year-old comedy set, mm. right? Yep, exactly. Uh, so yeah, there's there's those uh, yeah those '60s '70s uh, Disney movies that just have the the greatest animation. Uh, and I've always been a big fan of the live action '60s '70s Disney movies, like Herbie the, the Love Bug, Herbie the Love Bug, Parent Trap, the, uh, the computer Gus. wore the computer wore sneakers. sneakers. A lot Do of young Kurt Russell. Remember the Gus about the yeah. uh, donkey, the football about the donkey that. Kicked field Kicked goals. Field goals. Yeah. Freaky Friday. Escape to Witch Mountain. Escape to Witch Mountain Two. Yes. yes, that was that was a little dark. They got uh they got darker. 
They did a couple of them, like when they hit like the late seventies, early eighties. Was it the Watcher in the Woods? Was that one mm-hmm. that was really freaky? Yeah, they're all on Disney Plus right now. All yeah, those I, I should I should get that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm like I have Netflix and Prime, and I'm like I'm not getting anything else. I'm not gonna. And then we had to see The Mandalorian, so then we shelled out to six bucks for a month for Disney Plus, and literally. It's those old movies and then Mandalorian and pretty much nothing else. And then, yeah, that's, that's it. Now, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I remember the sword in the stone pretty well when I was a kid. He pulls the sword out of the stone. Mm-hmm. It comes to life, but then the sword dies. But then he and his buddy, uh, who was, I think, played by Jonathan Silverman, had to pretend that the sword was still alive so they could stay at his beach house for the weekend. Uh, is, that, was that I- the, is that the movie I'm thinking of? I think you're confused. Okay. I believe that is uh, Weekend at Bernie's. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, no, no. I'm I'm pretty pretty sure you're right about that. That's right. Chip, why don't you grab something out of your stash, whether it be a... Uh, Yeah, you know, give me a a directive. Do you want a CD? Let Josh, let's let our, let's let our guest pick. Do you want a, do you want a CD or want a DVD? Um, let's go CD. CD, here we go. Oh, and you know, I forgot to put my stupid uh, junk miles thing on. That's not stupid. It's I'm it's stupid not. for not That's putting branding. it. branding. It's very important. I, it, it really is branding. Chip, um, I spent upwards of three dollars printing out our junk empty miles one. branding. Show it I know. I should, I should do it. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Nice. Be a good one. All right, here we go. It's it's all right. It's it's a good one. It's it's something that's in a lot of trouble these days that uh, may lose its funding. Is uh, the postal service? Oh, right yeah. here. Postal Service, uh, good. You know they they had, of course, such great heights. Is that right? Uh, mm-hmm. That that uh, Iron and Wine made even more popular. But uh, this is a fun one. Uh, Postal That's Service. Just... It, I, I I didn't really get into them very much, but I did enjoy it. Is that Ben Gibbard? Was he Postal yeah. Service and uh, the other guy from whatever? That album is a great listen the whole way through. It really like, is. It's it's, it's a, a solid, really good it's a solid listen. I remember um, I was in a, one of my favorite restaurants in Roxborough, the uh, Adobe Cafe. Sure. It had to be right when this came out. My wife and I were grabbing drinks, and the bartender played the whole thing. And we're up to, like, song three or four. I'm like, God damn, what is this? He's like, I know, this is great, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we, we just stayed there and listened to a couple more songs. Remember going home, buying it. Solid. You can't, you can't love it. By the way, I... I don't know if I like this tone and I don't like to go after our loyal listeners and viewers, but funny comedian Cassandra D says that all of those movies, this is going back a minute or two that we were listening about Disney. All of those movies sound real, except for the donkey one. (laughs) And I, I take exception with that. Uh, Gus, the movie about the donkey who kicks field goals is very, very real. Based on a true story. Based on a true story. Uh, I want to say Don Knotts was in it. Mm-hmm. He played the donkey. He did play the donkey. Uh, and uh, I really do. I am upset that she would not think that a movie about a field goal kicking donkey is real. I just, I feel like that's. He a, underestimates the athletic ability of many pack animals. And it's kind of disheartening yeah. to hear. Beasts of burden, if you will. Yeah. yeah. It is actually a, it was a very real movie. I. It was one of those movies I remember watching, I think maybe like at like church when I was little, like, you know, it'd be like, It'd be like a Saturday night where, you know, for the kids would come in, I'd be like eight years old and they would 
but like they didn't have they didn't have vcrs then because like they didn't have the money or whatever they had like one vcr but they would still have the reel-to-reel movies so they would show like the reel-to-reel freaky friday or and that's where i saw gus the movie about the donkey who kicked field goals i don't remember anything about it but i just remember he kicked field goals joshua your take on the postal service um i i loved that album it's pretty mind-blowing that uh such an iconic album uh and such an iconic band would only make one album uh right and and in such a weird way through uh the postal service uh being passed back and forth um i've actually made a resolution to listen to one album per day during quarantine and that was one of the albums i i listened to in the last week Give me your favorite. Give me your favorite one you've listened. You can't say that one. Yeah, but yeah. besides that one, give me your favorite one you've listened to this quarantine. If you had to pick one, I've listened to "Posts" by Bjork like four times already. <laughs> that's a great. That's yeah. such a great album. That's is that the one with "Army of Me"? Yep, that's the first yeah. song. Yep. that's a God. That's a, that's a great album. So good. You can't go wrong with pretty much any Bjork. Bjork. Yeah. Right. The, the way my Icelandic is not great. The way that she uh, says, I think it's in the second track. I forget what it's called, but the one where she's like waiting up, basically like waiting. She's like on top of the hill and she's like waiting yeah. for the guy or something like that. And where she has to, she's trying to throw off uh, car parts, bottles, and cutlery. I think it is the way she says car parts, bottles, and cutlery is yeah. one of my favorite lines in music history. Yurik is one of those human beings. She is almost like this ethereal being, like she's not human. She's something like a different species, like a different, better species, right? She's almost, she's almost like a donkey that kicks <laughs> field goals. She is the musical equivalent of a donkey that kicks field goals. So you're saying if they did Gus too, which yeah. I would think would be great, put a female in there, right? Let's do sure. Gus too. Mm-hmm. put a female in there. Who are you going to cast? Yeah. All, fe- all female Gus. There's going to be some men's right activists not going to be happy with this at all. It's a touchstone film for them. A lot of people sure. grew up. Absolutely. They're like, you know, guys play football, donkeys play football. Mm-hmm. Women do not play football. Yeah. I think it would be great to see like Bjork in a donkey costume mm-hmm. with, let's say, maybe like a Cindy Lauper, like in the back end of the donkey costume, like two of them, or maybe like a Lady Gaga like she's a great actress too so like they're in a donkey costume like the front half the back half and i, like I that. think that would be a fun i, so, I, I think that would be so are they just in the green suit of the donkey and they're not actually in the movie you just hired them to be in the green suit i don't even think they're in a green suit i think they're just like in an old timey suit <laughs> like you would see two guys like at it like an old timey like a vaudeville show a vaudeville show where they're just in like a donkey suit i think that's how that would I think that's how would that be? I think it'd be great. Yeah. By the way, Jillian Markowitz is saying that since I compared Bjork to the donkey, she says that Bjork isn't real. That was her takeaway. Since yes. the donkey movie isn't real. Yeah, well, can she, we kick? Can we kick listeners off of Facebook? Like, can we? Yes. Is, is that a possibility? Are we allowed? Yeah. There's to? a button. There's a button for that. Okay. I'll yeah. look into that. I will. Josh, let's that. pick something out. I I, I want to see something else from your uh, your uh, amazing collection of of DVDs for my dvds all right yeah sure and then what if it was like a bear trap he got caught in like that'd be terrible i love it oh, Actually, whoa what is this human nature tim human. robbins patricia yeah, tim arquette. Robbins, arquette it's um 
I believe it's Charlie Kaufman's first feature film. And I believe it's Michelle Gondry's first feature film. Oh Charlie Kaufman wrote it and Michelle Gondry uh, directed it. Uh, and Miranda it's, Otto. it's, although very strange aside from uh, the one about the gong show host, it's probably Charlie Kaufman's most normal uh, kind of um, rom-com and it is the strangest rom-com uh, <laughs> of all time. Uh, I can say uh, I've never heard of that, Chip. Not not once. What era are we talking about? This is like early 2000s? Um, 90s? No, Can't be 90s. I would know. I feel like Josh created I feel like Josh created this cover. <laughs> this is not a real this is not a real movie. In the vein of what some people think Gus right. is not real. Right. 2002. This was 2002 this came okay. out. Okay. And would you recommend a dark it? era? Yeah. Well, you own it, so I guess you would recommend it. I mean, I recommend Charlie Kaufman's entire catalog. Sure. Uh, all-time favorite uh, screenwriter for sure. Okay. Uh, give me give me your top three, Charlie Kaufman. So we talk about that one and... <laughs> Eternal Sunshine. That's my number one. Oof. That one packs such a punch. Yeah. When you're at the end of Eternal Sunshine, you are so like, that is such a ride emotionally. Right. And that's where that's when Jim Carrey won me over, I think. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, he's fine. You know, he's fun and stuff. He like he was always fun and stuff, right? Yeah. And then when he just kind of all went out there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, do you guys want a CD or a DVD? How about a, how about a DVD from Chip? All right, here we go. Something that you and I'm not looking. I'm yeah, not you looking. Misses, you're gonna fire this up tonight. Right. Yep. Crack open a bottle of um Oh, this is Fanta. I picked one of my favorite television, probably top five television shows of all time. If you've not seen this show, uh, you are in for a treat. And uh, although I can see how people wouldn't like it, but this is season two. I do have all three. Although I believe friend of the show, Mary Radzinski has currently is borrowing my season one. Uh, It is the, the comedy central iconic television series. Do you want to take a guess? Ooh, iconic ooh. Comedy Central comedy, television series. Original Comedy Central series. Yes. What year are we talking about? Uh, 99, 2000-ish. Ooh. Right around the millennia. If you have, uh, Josh, if you have any thoughts, Jeff? Um, is it, It's obviously starring a comedian. Uh, well, I mean, comedic actors. Yeah. Would it be Kids in the Hall? No. Well, one of my favorite shows, though, I will say that. One, one of that that was sort of my big thing like when you were talking about the Christopher Guest ones like the Christopher Guest were big for me too but Kids in the Hall like they got big on Comedy Central when I was in like ninth grade yeah. and that just blew my mind because it was I, I liked Saturday Night Live and then I saw Kids in the Hall I was like oh Saturday Night Live sucks like this is what yep. comedy should be yeah uh, what do you got? it's not, what? not Kids in the Hall you ready yep. it is Strangers with Candy oh my goodness Strangers oh, with Candy nice. uh, yeah. Amy Sedaris yeah. Stephen Colbert uh, just uh, one of my favorite. If you've never seen Stranger with Candy, you have to go and uh, and watch that. Such a funny, such a a uh, dark show and hilarious. Yeah. So that's who it was. Yeah. Oh, we had we had a couple of guesses. Uh, uh, funny comedian Cassandra D said uh, Chappelle Show. That was her guess. Yeah. And then funny comedian uh, Jillian Markowitz said Dog Bites Man, which was a, another sort of underrated quick show. Dog Bites Man. I think that was the one about. It was like a uh, a news crew that was uh, that like they were sort of like a uh, 
a dysfunctional news crew that was really funny. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. All right, Josh, Josh dig your Josh, dig, dig, your dig, dig in. How about, yeah, how about like a CD? Do you got CDs or just DVD? Yeah. So um, the thing about the CDs is I was a little bit younger than you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, so you still are. You still are, actually. Still are. Still yeah, mathematically. Strikingly um, younger. So I grew up in the disc man age. <laughs> sure. Uh, so me and all of my friends all had binders of CDs. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where all my CDs were. And I felt like it was it would be unfair. I couldn't grab them randomly if they were in a binder. So I put all my CDs into this, what I believe is called a Dutch oven. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome visuals. A roaster, if you will, maybe. I, 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 you, you could probably put, put a, a roast in there. Roaster in there. Like a that duck. A, <laughs> mm -hmm. a mule. So, yeah. I'm going to take the top off. Ooh, I can, mm, nice smell. Mm. Smell those, mm -hmm. those vintage CDs. Yes. All that dust on it that I haven't yeah. touched in maybe 10 years. Uh, I don't even have a CD player anymore. No, but, but okay. you had a Dutch oven. So the toasters. Oh, yeah. Ooh, there we little go. ska band, right? Pick it up. So it I, up. Uh, in sixth grade, got unbelievably obsessed with ska. Uh, to the point where I had a ska themed bar mitzvah. Really? And um, we could do a whole show on this. <laughs> <laughs> instead of going all out on the venue, uh, we got a couple of ska bands in town, as well as one from New York uh, to play at my uh, bar mitzvah. Wow. Fantastic. And the toasters, of course, were one of my favorites. And uh, recently, I've started playing a, a little bit with a trumpet player who was a longtime trumpet player with the Toasters. So, really? Oh my goodness! Circle, yeah, that's awesome. Give me some. Give me some. Like people, I think it's fun now to make fun of ska. Yeah. But I grew up always enjoying ska and always enjoying that kind of. I was a huge like Operation Ivy fan, which was ska adjacent. Um, I liked all the '90s ska bands. I always thought they were fun. Uh, I like like mustard plug, I, you know, less than Jake, sure, Goldfinger. That's the pop ska. But when you go back to, do you know ska predates reggae? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the things that whenever you have an argument with people about like ska and reggae, like guys, ska's pretty legit. Like it came before reggae, set the groundwork for, you know, reggae. And if you want to like defend Scott, you can really. By the way, we do have a breaking uh, announcement. If I, if I can make the yep. breaking announcement, um, uh, Dan Vitrano, funny comedian, Dan Vitrano just joined and said that uh, Josh had a bar mitzvah. <laughs> and then he, uh, he also then uh, re responded right after that. I'm sorry. So he apologized. No, don't be sorry. For I want that show. more. Yeah. I think ska and puns go so hand in hand. Like they, they live together in like a half, like if you respect ska or don't respect ska, just get, either way, get in on the puns, right? Sure. Sure. So uh, by the way, speaking of, uh, speaking of looking at the boards here, uh, funny comedian, Kim Chantry, who's also yeah. my wife. Executive uh, producer, Kim Chantry. Right. Uh, she said, Chip, I have an idea for how we can free up some wall space. It involves a Dutch oven. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what she's referencing, but we'll, we'll talk about that after the, sh after the show's over. Now, Josh, did you perform with any, did you jump up on stage with any of the ska bands and be like, 
because it's all about you, right? A bar mitzvah. Well, so my um, at my bar mitzvah, my uh, band that went uh, for six years from middle school through high school, we did a little performance uh, during the bar mitzvah. Um, but you know, really, I it, you know it was a party. I wanted to party with my friends, right. so I, I wanted to just hang out and like watch these awesome right. ska bands. You didn't want to like have to pick up a trombone for four songs, right? While everybody else is having fun. Yeah, you're just chilling out, listening to some ska. Hey, any sousaphone in any ska? Is that part of the horns? That'd be pretty tough. Yeah, I don't know. I've um, recently uh, had the idea to have a brass band because uh, it 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 really is already kind of a brass band with the ska. Yeah. So horns, sure. you just you trade out the bass for a sousaphone and. And you'd have a brass band and kind of do like a New Orleans kind of ska thing. Um, I have I actually thought about that, but I've never seen it done, weirdly. So it's this weird could, that you have This that. could be your next musical endeavor. Yeah. I'm sure there might be some sort of, of pun that, you know, you could probably attach extremely, to it. I don't know. Extremely dangerous in this time because horn players... Uh, the biggest germ spreaders right now, oh. arguably, I think so. Oh my God. I didn't even think of that. Right. They're projecting. Yeah. The trombone is just. Right. I have We're a great name for a ska band. If you got, if you want to start a ska band, deep vein. Ooh, trombone. I like that. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, it, it marries. Everybody loves the medical term and then people love sky, put them together. I think it's great. I would mail yourself a letter with that name in it. Just so you have it. Right, so copyright it. Yeah. It, does that still work? 100%. 100%. It and trust me, I'm somebody who owns an album by the Postal Service, so I would know that. <laughs> Chip, uh, do I All right, let's each pick out one more thing. I'm going to I'm going to pick out something good now, okay? All right. So we'll do you then me and then we'll end up with Josh, is that right? That's how we'll do it. Yep. Okay. Oh, here we go. This is a great one. Ted Leo and the pharmacist just uh-huh. talking about Ted Leo very similar to um, has his own pretty much style of music. It's it's the jam of the late seventies, early eighties meets like melodic, upbeat rock, little British flavor. But he he's he's a chameleon with his music. He's a really funny guy. He's he's kind of into the comedy scene as well with like Amy Mann. Amy Mann is yeah. Um, he's, he's involved in a lot of funny things. He's a good follow on Twitter and he has I, so many great albums. I believe this one is this strands of Oak. Yeah, I think so. Old man glasses. I think it is. I don't like when they don't have the album title right on there. This no. is parts of Oak strands parts of, of Oak. strands of Oak is the band, the band, which is, which is pretty funny because they're, they're a Philly based band. I think it's like, pretty much one guy, right? Walter, right. Um, something show Walter, not Michael, but not Michael show Walter, but yeah, yeah. He's, he's from Philly. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, on basically every running playlist that I have, I have a Strands of Oak song, which is, uh, I'm, I'm trying, I can't think of what it was, the Strands of Oak song, and the Ted Leo song, High, The High Party, off of that album, which is just a great running uh, track. I mean, just so yeah, high energy. Chip, I, I'm going to give you a little, one of the funniest bits you ever had, and I think about it all the time, was you were running mm-hmm. through the city, and as you were running through the city, someone was walking into a donut store. Yes. And they held the door open for you. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Literally happened. It was an ice cream shop. Yeah. I was just running. Somebody held the door open for me. I was like, I'm not Thinking running for like ice cream. The, this fit guy 
they figured out you were running to go into an ice cream shop. I don't know. I, I don't want to say how fit I was because I think that was part of the issue, part of their, should we pick, uh, should I pick yes. one more? And then we got Josh. Well, um, yep. Do you guys want a CD or a DVD? It's Josh's choice. He's the guest. Josh. Let's go DVD. DVD. Here we go. Oh, wow. This is a, this is a good one. This is, I didn't even realize I had this movie. I forgot that I owned the sword it. Sword and the stone. It is the sword and the stone. I, I wish this is, we're talking about a lot of kids movies. This is not a Disney movie, but one of my favorites when I was a kid, I can't believe I still have this. You ready for this? It is the never ending story. Yeah. Uh, I went through a phase when I was, when I was like right out of college where I just like bought a whole DVDs were so cheap and I would just buy a bunch of stuff. And I would, I think I would get high and just like fall asleep to this movie a lot when I was in my twenties. And uh, my brother and I watched this on VHS over and over and over again. Uh, great movie. Want to hear from um, my buddies growing up, we were in punk bands and my one buddy's band, um, good humor stout. They would play John, his younger brother, Mike Ford was probably 10. We were like, yeah, he's probably 11 or 12. He would open up punk shows singing the theme to never under never ending story acapella. That's he great. A red hair, freckles, cute little boy. We, you know, clubs, it could be like city garden, somewhere scary. Sure. Mike would come on and a little sweet little angel would come on acapella and knock it out of the park. And there was never a time where people weren't like, give it yep. up, give it yep. up for Mike Ford singing the theme to never ending story. I'm going to put on something else to that never ending story. Recently I discovered one of my favorite movies of all time, fast times, Ridgemont high. I'm sure. Going which through, I have up on the, which I have up on the shelf too. I'm going through the soundtrack. Did you know there's actually a song called Fast Times at Ridgemont High on the soundtrack by Sammy Hagar. And I learned that just yesterday from one of my Twitter uh, friends you, at Used Wigs. Yes. And do you, Joshua, it is pictured the least amount of effort you could. Someone calls you. They're like, Joshua, we got a new song coming. We got a new movie coming out. The name of the movie is whatever, you know, like Fred's Big Day at the Office. We need you to write a song for it. Picture the least amount of effort you could put into writing that song. And it's exactly what Sammy Hagar did. It is so incredibly bad. And then I posted about that and someone goes, you need to check out Sammy Hagar's song for the movie Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal is one of the coolest animated movies ever to come out, late 70s, early 80s. And he had a song called Heavy Metal. And it's equally as bad and equally as mailed in as you could ever do and that might have been the end of him like doing it but my recommendation go listen to heavy metal by sammy hagar and fat it's literally fast times ridgemont high everybody's having fun and the times are fast because it's fun everybody high school yeah <laughs> I, i'm not far off no it's pre he's pretty spot on so i threw out there was that, like, even, was that even better than his it might be a little bit better. It was a little more upbeat. Yeah. A little more upbeat. Yeah. And then, then like Joshua, like horrible guitar solo. You know, he's like in his red leather jumpsuit and he's like, you know, we're a red rocker. But I just threw out there like, what are actually good, good title songs from movie soundtracks? And then people started cheating because people are like, oh, Purple Rain, Purple Rain. I'm like, yeah, that's because 
he's an amazing musician and that he's in the movie, right? Pink Floyd, The Wall. Yeah, they're amazing musicians. That's the movie they made. I mean, some hired gun and never ending story. Great song. Great tune. Great tune from a great movie, right? The main theme from Gus, I thought was amazing. It was incredible. Gus, yes. Gus, he's a donkey who kicks field goals. He was kicks field goals and he's a donkey. Line it up on the 35-yard line. Gus. Laces out. Laces out. He's a donkey who kicks field goals and extra points. That was Bachman uh, Turner Overdrive. It was. It was. Taking, uh, taking care of Gus Smith, I think, was <laughs> their song. By the way, my brother, Adam Chantry, funny comedian, tuned in, and he said uh, he loved Never Ending Story too. My brother and I would watch that constantly, and he said, these look like strong hands, which was a, which is a great quote from The Never Ending Story. Oh my God! Yeah, Josh, can you think of a think of a movie you love that had just a truly horrible? Theme oh, song? we're talking about horrible. I was thinking good. No, you're good. How about give me a good one? I like that, that thing you do is uh, excellent song. Do you know I what? Mean, that was the first response I got, literally within a second of posting that it was just a video clip of the Wonders or who sang that? The Oneaters. The Oneaters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was God rest his soul. Um, Fountains of Wayne. Adam Schlesinger, right? There, That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. I I was a I was a big fan, and I think it's it's a much it's it's an era that I'm sad is gone. Is I would call it late '80s, early '90s, when rappers slash actors would rap the plot of the movie in a song, <laughs> like Bobby Brown in Ghostbusters Two, yep. Too Hot to Handle, Too Cold to Hold. They call the Ghostbusters in there. That's a great song. That's a great song. party for a bunch of children, you know. And he just rapped the entire plot of the movie. Will Smith did it in a few of his vehicles. Wild that, Wild West. Right. That is just a much. I I don't have time to watch a lot of movies. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I'm a busy person. I would love to hear a very commercial rap artist just rap. I'm trying to think of a good example, like a movie that I haven't seen, like a, like an Oscar winner from this past year, let's say. I, I don't think it's, okay, like uh, the, the one thing that's coming to my mind is Shape of, The Shape of Water. I didn't see from a year or two ago. I never saw The Shape of Water. I would love uh, Tone Loke mm -hmm. to rap. A very good reference, it. very timely reference chip right. for rapper, right? Tone uh, Loke. I would love for him to rap the plot of The Shape of Water. I think that would be, and then I was like, oh, two and a half minutes, three minutes, I know the plot of Shape of Water. I don't have to watch it now. By the way, speaking of which, Tone Loke did rap about, I don't know if it was technically the plot, but he did rap in a movie that he was a, he was in the uh, cast of in the mid nineties, starring an actor that we've already discussed on this episode. Joshua, any ideas? I have no idea. Wow. I'm stumped and I'm pretty, pretty up on Tone Loke in his acting career. He was in a movie with a gentleman who was also in Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. You got to oh. tell us, Chip. It was uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. He oh. played a small role. He was a police officer. Remember, he was like one of the desk jockeys, and he was he was friends with Ace, and he rapped at the end of that at the end of that movie. Yeah, I have to let my dogs out the backyard. You want to see my dogs run out the back door? Yeah, let's. It's Star and Shelby. Here comes Star and Shelby. Everybody, here comes Star and Shelby. The Star and Shelby show. Ready, Star. Shelby, go. Where do you guys want to go out? They're very well trained. I will say that. They, they did not want to go out. They, they oh, here comes. Out, so I'm not aware. Well, hang out. Sorry. Yeah, they just. That's all right. 
That's right. Uh, by the way, uh, Brian from Jersey uh, just said, yeah, yeah, you know it uh, from Ghostbusters 2. And yes. yeah, Funky Cold Medina. There should be, I wish there was a movie called Funky Cold Medina that we could watch that where that's just the story of that. I'd, wa- I'd pay to watch that movie. You know, one of the greatest stories ever about a music soundtrack is when they were writing Ghostbusters, they're like, Huey Lewis, we want you to write and sing the title song to Ghostbusters. And he's like, all right, let me think about it. And then things broke down. I don't know if it was money. I don't know, whatever. He's like, this sounds like a dumb movie. I'm not going to do it. And they're like, uh, all right, that's fine. So they go to Ray Parker Jr. And they're like, we want a Huey Lewis type sound to the Ghostbusters song. And he's like, he's probably, you know, Ray Parker Jr. is probably like, Huey who? Yeah. I'll check out who Huey Lewis is. Listens to one song and he's like, all right, I'm going to rip off Huey Lewis's entire song and just change the words to Ghostbusters. I want a new drug. That's that's all it is. It's amazing. And when when they play them back together and you're just like, give Huey all the money. Yeah, he just just needs it. Every dollar of that ripped off. Uh, Also, uh, my my brother just said, uh, how about the rap at the end of the movie Dragnet starring Tom Hanks and uh, Ghostbusters' own Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd's rapping. uh, Dan Aykroyd raps and it is horrifying. It is horrifying. That's the thing about Dan Aykroyd, though. It's either super funny performance or just horrifying. It like really Blues is. Brothers, Blues Brothers 2000, you won't get through 10 minutes of that movie. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't watch it, but he's brilliant in some other things. The, uh, the Great Outdoors, one of my favorite movies of all time. And then, you have, of course, Saturday Night Live, uh, the Blues Brothers. You know, all of those were so funny. And then... Uh, Joshua, here's a question for you. You get to score your band or you alone... It could be a solo sousaphone. What type of movie, what genre would you like to do a song for? A Charlie Kaufman movie, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Do you do that when you, that's a good question because I'm thinking it. Like, do you like how I just said that's a good question? My own question. I'm yeah, I, you, you compliment yourself. You have to know your strengths, Jeff. When you watch movies, TV shows, anything, are you very cognizant of the score? Are you very... Like, Oh, they're doing it right here. Or man, I would have just done this. Or can you just enjoy it? I think I'm only cognizant of it if if the if it's prominent. If it's really an underscore, I I think they do a really good job of making shorts underscore, and I don't think about it even if the music is good. Um, but uh, I think it's not the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm watching, unless unless the music is really uh, prominent and they're doing a great job, I think, uh, with the the scoring. I do miss the 80s movies, like we said, with um, Fast Times and Valley Girl and all that, where I don't think getting rights to songs was that hard back then because every song and every scene was like, oh, it's Led Zeppelin, it's the Beatles, it's the Plimsolls. There's an iconic song almost in every scene, either introing or outroing. And now I know today, it's, all right, we have the budget for one Katrina and the Waves walking on sunshine for this romantic comedy. And maybe like one other, maybe the poignant scene, we'll throw in some gimme shelter by the stones, but we don't have budget for anything else. We can't do it. We can't do the rest of that. We can't do anything else. Uh, Brian from Jersey, by the way, said rapping Rodney by Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> should have been in back to school. And I, I heartily agree with that. You know, it was another terrible, but great one that got stuck in my head when I was a kid was the rap. I think it was an acapella rap or at least close to it 
at the end of the Goldie Hawn football movie, Wildcats, the team wrapped with Goldie. Oh, that the team wrapped with Goldie? Yeah. Another film about a place kicker. Yes, a human place kicker this time, though. Human. human, human I, prefer, I prefer pack animal based. Yeah, so do I. Kickers. Absolutely, so do I. You know, one of my favorite football movies, probably uh, Quarterback Princess. Tim Robbins, the who was actually in the Charlie Kaufman movie, I believe. There, Tim Robbins and Helen Hunt, I believe, was the quarterback princess. Okay, like fantastic it. movie. They didn't, really, of, didn't zone in on field goals; it was more quarterbacking. Right, right. right. Speaking of uh, quarterback princesses, should we wrap this up with yeah. one last poll from Joshua Matches? One last, one last, one more, one, one more, one more. more. Either from the Dutch oven or your DVD. Anything. Yeah, carte blanche. <laughs> All right. Weather report. The wow. Years, uh, which is uh, funny because it's actually my least favorite era of weather report is the Jocko years. Um, is that Jocko Pistorius? Yes, who's you know right. one of the all-time great bass players. But um, and and while I do like the the music from that era, uh, it sort of became the Jocko Pistorius show when he joined the band a little bit. And uh, you know they were all such they were all so great in their own rights. And uh, you know not and. I don't think he, I don't know that he meant to do that, uh, but I, I prefer Jocko's solo music and the, the previous weather report catalog to the Jocko years of the weather report. Person. All right. One of my all time favorite bands, though, the weather report. Is it, that's your all time favorite band. That's your. Uh, if I had to pick one, I, they might, yeah. they might be. Isn't that the hardest thing to do, though? It yeah. depends on your mood and stuff. People are like, who's your all-time favorite band? And I have, like, a top five that... They Rotates. Go, and then you hear something, you're like, maybe they should be in the top five. It's so hard. And I imagine, as a musician, that might be the hardest thing, because yeah. then people would be like, hold it, wait. If Joshua's favorite band is The Weather Report, then I'm going to everything he's done, I'm going to compare it to. Right? <laughs> like, like, Chip, if yeah. you said your favorite comedian was, like, whoever then people will be like, maybe Chip, no, I'm going to compare Chip to... Exactly. Right. That would be, that'd be very difficult to do. Very lofty. Very lofty. Right, right. Uh, by the way, when it comes to the weather report, Brian from Jersey loved the Al Roker years. That was his favorite. <laughs> Me part. too. Well, well Jeffrey, uh, I think, uh, it, as all good things do, this must come to an end, I believe. Like, like Fred Willard's life, it yes. was fun. It was everyone enjoyed it. It was an yes. amazing experience. But things come to an end. Joshua, mm -hmm. what are you doing now? You're getting we're we're gonna we're we're getting back at we're gonna get out of quarantine soon. But like what are your hopes to wrap it up? What do you plan on doing? The first thing you're gonna do, are you gonna get back together with your band? Yeah, I mean I had so many projects that uh that had really cool gigs. Um weirdly, there is still one on the books for September. I don't know that it's gonna happen, but if we're if we are out by September, I'm not holding my breath, but um, I will be in the house band for um, the late night snacks for the Fringe Festival for the Philadelphia Fringe Festival for for pretty much all of September, uh, which is so fun. That's what they call the late night cabaret now. What used to be the late night cabaret, and 
you know, they, you have a different, um, two different acts each night. And a lot of times they have the house band uh, back up those artists. And some of those, some of those projects that originated at late night snacks in the last two years ended up at like the Guggenheim museum and Lincoln center. So uh, it's always just exciting to see what the bearded ladies are, are bringing to town um, for those things. Cool. Well, hopefully, you know, that'll, that'll happen. And um, Chip, what are you looking forward to? What are we, what are we? Uh, first of all, I, I should say, and this goes to Josh, I believe, but my brother, who is a big drummer, great drummer. Uh, he liked the gad years of the weather report, okay. the gad years. So there we go. Um, what I'm looking forward to after this is all over is just, you know, a- after this whole thing is over, I just want to be able to sort of like curl up on the couch and watch some TV after all of this, after months of this, I just want to be able to Maybe relax. Spend some, spend some time with Kim. Spend some time with the wife and the dog and the cats and just watch some Netflix. That's what I'm really looking forward to doing eventually. By the way, uh, if I can, I'd like to offer some information into the world that might help us all. Yeah, let's do it. A lot of you have probably seen a lot of different stories on the news, especially on Facebook, uh, on social media, that may or may not be true. You know, there's a lot of fake stories out there that, that maybe uh, that don't, they don't, it's, it's still too, not far along, far enough along, or maybe it's just completely false. Uh, but you know what they're saying about the coronavirus. So for example, there was a story for a while that they were saying, you know, don't take Advil. If you have coronavirus, it makes it worse. I don't know if that's true or not, but the people say, no, it's not right. And it's not, or they don't know. I saw something today, uh, yesterday that said mouthwash may kill the coronavirus. So if you use a lot of mouthwash, you should be in good shape. Now, I'm not going to risk that. I don't know if that's true or not. And they were like, well, not a lot of tests have been done. So why are you putting that out there? Some people are saying vitamin D, take a lot of vitamin D. That'll help ward off the coronavirus. So what I have done is I've compiled a list of six surefire ways to ward off or cure the coronavirus that all of our listeners can take. And, and these are guaranteed. I'm putting it in writing right here. I'm putting it on in posterity. These are guaranteed ways to fight the coronavirus that will 100% work, okay? Number one, uh, everything bagel spice. <laughs> if you put everything bagel spice, that you know, you the stuff you can get, if you put that on every food you eat, three meals a day, there is literally no way you can get the coronavirus. Uh, number two, uh, obviously it's an, a respiratory disease, hits your lungs. If you breathe in, and there are ways to pump this in, if you can breathe in the air from tennis ball canisters, like when you pop open a tennis ball and you sniff it and it has that really good tennis ball smell, there are, there are tanks that you can buy of just that tennis ball smell. If you take that in every day for four to five minutes, you just, it's sort of like a respiratory thing. You can be exposed to as much coronavirus. You, you won't get it. Uh, number three. Right, I've already been doing that. Oh, you have been doing it. See, Josh, yeah. then you're, you're in good shape. You're in good shape. That's my okay. regular routine. Right. Exactly. Another one. Um, rub Dijon mustard on your forearms. Uh, nightly, every night before bed, take a, take a nice dollop of Dijon mustard and just rub them right on your both forearms right before you go to bed. Yes, it's going to really destroy your sheets, but hey, you want to have bad sheets and not coronavirus? I take that. Um, watching, you ready for this one? This one I didn't believe at first, but I did some more research. This does cure it. Watching season nine of The Office in one sitting. If you can sit through the entirety of season <laughs> nine of The Office, you will be immune. Uh, <laughs> this one I thought was interesting. This is an old school approach. 
but you're right. You know, you know what? You know what can cure or ward off the coronavirus? Tomfoolery. If you're engaged in a high level of tomfoolery, there is literally no way you can catch the coronavirus. And finally, this one's a little bit more controversial, and I think difficult for most people to obtain. But this is the number one surefire way to become immune to the coronavirus is drinking the blood of former Flyers center, Rod Brindamore. If you can somehow, he is, I believe, the, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes head coach now, former Flyers center, Rod Brindamore. If you can find him, if you can somehow procure his blood and drink it, uh, you will be immune to the coronavirus. So I want you to take all those to the bank, and those are the surefire ways to, uh, to ward those off. I think that's great. Yeah. Josh, are you going to look into a couple of those at least? Yeah, I'm wondering, is he giving uh, that blood out willingly or do we have to catch it? No, you have to seek it out. And uh, from apparently from what I told, he is not happy that that word's gotten out. And he has been in hiding for the past couple of weeks. We have to seek it out. Guys, thank you so much. Joshua, we're, besides typing in TJ Kong and the Atomic Bomb to YouTube, which I like to do, and that's a lot of fun, sure. what, what else can we check out from you? What, what else? Uh, where can well, we find you? Um, so I have a website, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my past projects. Um, I have a couple of web series and development that I'm pretty excited about that aren't awesome. out yet, but, uh, should be out within the next month or so. Um, and, uh, I'm starting a new event, uh, that will be hopefully a weekly event, uh, where we take cult classic movies and franchises and live tweet them like uh, do a flash mob into a hashtag uh, that isn't being used that often. I love it. Getting a bunch of just funny people in there watching a movie all at the same time and, and making jokes about it. So that sounds like a lot of fun. I think that would be right up Jeff Lyons' alley as mine. We have the same, Jeff Lyons and I have the same alley and those would be up, we do. up ours. Yeah. So it's we're a pretty, it's a pretty tough alley. I mean, I wouldn't, a lot of people are probably going to be like, Hey, I might want to visit that alley. Hey, if, no. if, you're, if you're into an ass kicking by yep. two prominent Philadelphia podcasts. Look at both of us shake our fists. See how we shake our fists like this. Yeah. He's like, he's like an old timey pugilist. Nice. Like that. Yeah. Joshua, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for putting up with all of our technical difficulties. And um, that's patient, part of what Josh. we're about. Yeah. We'll post some links to Josh and uh, Chip. What do you got coming up? Um, Literally nothing. nothing, literally nothing. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, if you, if you're not already follow me on Facebook, follow yes. me on, on Twitter Instagram. and Instagram at Chip Chantry. And I would love for you, if you have not already, I need everyone to go into Instagram and I would mm -hmm. like you to follow the, the handle, the account fur sticks at fur underscore sticks. F U R like animal hair at fur sticks at fur underscore sticks s-t-i-c-k-s uh good friend of the show joe pickett and i from he from the found footage festival he and i have started an instagram page it's, it's a fledgling instagram page we just started but it is just a it's just photos of fur sticks which look is what we call paw pads paws. Look these at are that different paws of cats ernie's uh, paws gary's paws some of joe's cats paws look you at can the even tip. submit there's a kitty cat holding a little uh, Venetian blind down with his little fur stick. That's Gary. That's Gary right there. Oh, and, nice uh, job! Gary. I think if you oh, click on it, there's even a fun hashtag. There's a baby. Uh, look at this. Baby's first fur sticks right there. Yeah, that one was it. 
That one, by the way, was a, uh, a, a, a submission. So if you want, if you have a cat, you take some pictures of your cat's first ticks or their paws, send them in and maybe we'll post them. Also, uh, dogs are welcome. Well, any animal, really any pet, uh, any kind of paw, we've been sticking with cats, but we want to branch out. So go it looks to like this. Uh, it looks like this kitty cat's about to watch a DVD, maybe sword in a stone or something. And, and see what it says. This first stick is going to Netflix and meow. So <laughs> I, so I think you all need to follow at fur underscore sticks. Guys, there's some great recommendations. Well, as most shows end, we like to play a rockin' song to end it out with. And oh, and before, have- let's not rock yeah. it out just yet. Everybody, if you haven't already, follow at Used Wigs, uh, oh, one, of favorite, oh. one of my favorite Twitter accounts of Jeff right. Lyons. That guy's a, a horrible human being. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that. Joshua Matches, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun, man. Uh, thank you, Josh. We're going to play a rockin' song, and what we like to do is everyone wave goodbye as we're about to play this song. Don't come home, pretty woman, don't come home. Don't come home, pretty woman, don't come home.